Hey everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our main sponsors, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. Now, I'm delighted to welcome a fantastic new band in inverted commas to the show. Dowan, I want to welcome Anais and Andy of the band. How are you, lads? How's it going? Thanks for joining us. And the odd time, myself and Pat will have a collaboration of uh, bands. And I think the last one was uh, God as an Astronaut, Pat. God as an Astronaut would have been, or was it Rome Kingdom, actually? Oh, my, yes, it was Rome Kingdom. It was Rome, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You're, you're in good company, lads. You're in good company. Yeah, with those you are. You are. You are. So maybe the first thing I want to talk about is congratulations on a fantastic Siege appearance. Uh, thank you very much. Siege was brilliant. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Such a such a great... Really event. glad to play on the, the big stage too and get that huge sound. Yeah, yeah uh, it was. We're a very responsive crowd and everything. Like that's probably the show I enjoyed the most since we started. Great to hear. Great to hear. There yeah. was a huge interest in it. Wasn't there, Pat? Like you could see, I went huge. upstairs for it just for the sound alone. And Pat stayed downstairs. Mm-hmm. We were really professional with it, actually, Pat, weren't we? <laughs> we were, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But like you said, I think your sound needed that big stage. Mm-hmm. You know, this EP and the tracks that came out of it, I think needed that grand stage and let the music travel and I think it it worked brilliantly especially if you Richie you said upstairs oh, it, was, it sounds incredible yeah it was yeah I was moving around just to make sure everything was was good mm. you know and like behind the sound desk left and right was fantastic as well you know I was even conscious of the fact that recording he that you could use it on social media mm-hmm. so I made sure I, I got the right angle and everything's you know again yeah. we're thinking yeah. ahead here like it's very kind <laughs> Did you enjoy it yourself, Andy? Yeah, I thought it was a great show. Um, well, like everything, you know, I, I find fault in a lot of the stuff that we did, but that's just a musician <laughs> you know, when you listen back to it. But the response was unreal. Um, people are really generous with their compliments. And I think a lot of people were saying they hadn't heard anything like it before. I mean, we're all aware that there's there's other things out there, but it's it's quite hard to find and it's a quite quite a niche style of music. So um yeah, I think people were kinda didn't know what to expect. And when when they saw us, well, I the consensus was that they were they were happy with what they saw and they were very generous. Got loads of merch sales and loads of people wearing Darwin t shirts down in Limerick now. So that's not Brilliant. bad. I think Andy likes what's hard is it's hard to find quality bands doing what you're doing you know there's a lot of bands playing that style of music atmospheric post black you know gothic doom whatever you're going to call it but not many get it right you know and i think you have the perfect blend between the different vocals the different style of guitaring obviously yourself as well and it's like to be able to play the drums and sing over it you know with the vocals not many bands can do that i think that's what steps you apart from the rest We've had loads of, I mean, you know, we've we've all done this before in mm-hmm. different bands, albeit different styles and different things. And I think, you know, n- there's none of us that are young anymore. We're all either and are, well, I think Nathan... Look for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think Nathan's the youngest and he's he's like 34, I think. And the rest of us are, you know, late 30s. And, and there's one of us, not going to name any names, is over 40. So it's like... We're getting on a bit, so we've got loads of experience now, mm-hmm. and I think it was, you know, it's a good, it's a good amount of people with loads of experience that are able to do something like this and try something new. Yeah. Did the reception catch you by surprise when you dropped this album? You know, I know it's been built up over a few months with the tracks, uh, the Morning Star being released, and you know, the bit of social media that you need to do to sort of get it up and running. But are you surprised by what how it's been? appreciated by everybody i am yeah uh, um you know there are so many bands releasing stuff every day mm-hmm. i honestly i thought that it was going to get lost in the ocean of uh, new releases um as it always did for for my old bands and um i i look after the social media side of things and i I can't even bounce it all to the guys because we get so many people sending messages directly or um or making stories and stuff of their their 
thing they just bought or just sharing a truck. And it's, it's actually overwhelming sometimes, you know, and there was a guy from US who just told us in a message that uh, uh, he was having a tough time in life at the moment and that he was listening a lot to, to our music and that it helped him. Mm. And yeah. that's yeah. the that's biggest compliment yeah. we could ever get. Yeah. What about you, Andy, in relation to that question from Pat? Um, Are you yeah. cynical? <laughs> I'm always cynical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's built in with me. Um, I'm a natural pessimist. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's blown me away. I mean, I've been in bands since I was 16. And the effort that we've put in, in every band I've ever been in, has, has been high level. Yeah. But it's it, it doesn't always work. And, you know, we've hit on something here that has clicked with a lot of people. And, you know, it's it's not only the metal community, which is what's took me by surprise. There's people from, you know, well, I, I don't know exactly where they come from, but from outside of the metal community that are getting in touch with us and, and saying that, you know, they're they're enjoying what we're doing. Is, if anything, that's only a good thing for the whole heavy genre you know i yes. think get as many people to to listen to it as possible and if we can be a doorway to at least a few of them i, I think that's a good thing mm. yeah you, you touched on it there lads the merchandise and stuff like it's it's an integral part of any band now really to to, yeah. to make to make a stab at it but i think that's really what got this this album nimway up out there was because everybody who purchased the vinyl are posting it on instagram and facebook everybody's talking about the album on Instagram and Facebook. You know, it's it's the new norm now, isn't it? It's times have changed. Like, Andy, as you mentioned there, like compared to whatever, 15, 20 years ago when you were doing this in the first place. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> what is it? I heard someone say recently that every underground band these days are just T-shirt salesmen and women. Alan Alan Avril said that. What was that who it was? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I remembered. But it, it's there's a truth to that. But you know, at least we have some really nice stuff, thanks to our yes, you do, yeah. Artist. So <laughs> yeah. I'll let you answer that one, Anais. Oh, and so well about the merch. Uh yeah, I look after the, the design because uh well, you you have a graphic designer in in the band. You might as well uh, make some savings, you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Too modest. <laughs> I just want to go back a bit in time because I mean, both of you, you know, have a huge history of music between you, and also the other members. Shout out to Brian and Nathan, who were in Ceaseless Blight and Nathan so much for the son which I presume he still is in but like looking at the two of you I mean when did your paths cross as musicians? Overoth and Celticor shared a few stages um, okay. on this island I think the first one that I really remember was we were talking about it recently it was like a an all dayer in Waterford <laughs> um, and Celticor were headline Overoth were just below the bill and I think because it wasn't really a great turnout, we ended up just chatting all night and hanging out. Right. So my first, I mean, I, I knew who she was, obviously, you know, big part of the scene and especially with the artworks going around and everything. But yeah. that was the first uh, interaction I probably had that I that I remember with Anise. Yeah, I think there had been some other gigs before that, but um, probably in Dublin. Um but um, yeah, we didn't uh, immediately like we we just yeah knew each other, um, but we never really talked properly until uh, Bryn and I were looking for a bassist singer. Oh, for a new actually, project. do you not remember? Um, I asked you if you could drum for Overoff because it was whenever Jay left and it was what I you did. did? Yeah, could you you introduced me to Cameron? Because you suggested Cameron. I completely forgot about that. Well, there you go. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, that would have nice, been a sight. It's nice to be finally thanked for it, isn't it? <laughs> so, oh as you approached Andy, is it then for, for Down, is it? Yeah. Um, I had left Celticore, uh, and I had just had my two kids. Um, 
And, you know, that means I was not going to have as much time for music, I thought. Mm -hmm. But I had started this project not really knowing what it was with Brin. And it was just the two of us. We needed a bassist and a guitarist. And I thought, there is no way Andy will be interested. But if I don't ask, uh, you know, I have no chance. So, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, okay, I'll come over for a rehearsal. And I really thought he was just going to go to come mm -hmm. to one rehearsal and leave because we had a horrible sound uh, in that place where we were. Um, and it sounded rotten. And we didn't really know where this was going to go. Okay. But we, we were very lucky. He stayed. And not only did he stay, but he was up for doing clear vocals so yeah. absolute bingo brilliant and even and back then you. sorry Inez, back then when you were when, when andy turned up for, the, for that that evening had you tracks that are on nimway yeah that back then you did yeah we had morning the first track oh, nice. um i think that was the only one that was we knew roughly yeah. the, what the riffs were going to be we didn't know what the vocals were going to be or the cello. Okay. There was, yeah, so much was done on it. And other stuff, like... But, like, he had connections with Celtacore anyway, with you joining him as well, Andy, yeah? Yeah. Um, I Yeah, that was... That was, uh, it was... There was a lot happened over COVID. I think a lot of people got you know, itchy to do something because they weren't able to go out and gig. So there's a lot of people were creating. So I did quite a lot over COVID, really. I I joined Celticore. That was mainly um because Cameron, who um uh drums in Overoth or drummed in Overoth, hmm. unfortunately, it's kind of in the past now. Um he said, you know, they're looking for a new singer. And I thought, well, why not? It was sort of, you know, COVID was COVID killed everything. So I started doing loads of stuff. I ended up guesting on Vicious Head Society over that time. And um, I can't remember. There was a few other little projects I was working on for fun. And then this one came up and it's like, well, I could sort of tell from whenever I heard the Morning Star that it was, you know, there was something in it. I think it was just the main riff and a few other bits. And I think half of it's probably disappeared now, but there was always something in that song to build the band from is the way I felt. Yeah. And I liked the way he turned to Chris Fielding because he used him in Celticore. Yeah, I love Chris. Um, at first, it was difficult to, to convince the guys to go to Chris because that involves a travel to Wales mm. and a, an investment, a financial investment. Uh, and the guys didn't know him and... I, you know, I had to, to tell them a few times and um, a couple of other people actually even told them how Chris, how amazing he is. And eventually uh, I just said, okay, I'm just going to record the drums with him and you guys do your thing. And I don't know what actually changed, the, changed their mind, but eventually we all went there. And as soon as they started recording, they understood, okay, that, that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much about that recording experience that was, it was, it was the best recording experience I've ever had. Um, mm. The studio, the location, and, you know, Chris is a master. Mm. He doesn't get anywhere near enough credit. He deserves so much credit for the yeah. music that he's, he's defined a, a sound on. And I think... By going to Chris, he's helped us understand what sound we need to push on with. Because we didn't know if it was going to be heavier than it turned out or if it was going to be, I, I don't know. He just, he, he left it open for us to play, but he always told us where it was good or bad or to try something else. And it, it was such a good experience. I no negatives from that. And for a recording session, that's really rare in my experience. Yeah, like the influences, and it's obviously this was sort of your baby to begin with. Like, what influenced you musically, like band wise, sound wise, to say that even the Morning Star, for instance, was the first track that you sort of had a blueprint of. 
So where did that come from? Like, what were you listening to? Um, so, okay. When uh, I talked to Brain first, mm. my idea was completely different. Um, I wanted to do something that was very vocal, um, vocal based, a bit wardruna, dead candence kind of thing, mm. but incorporating some guitar, some black metal, um, not really knowing how this was going to sound like, but yeah. I, I wanted to mash the two things together. Um, and bring uh, as another uh, project called Dear Moon, black metal, pure black metal. Uh, and I thought there was something about his tracks. So, you know, I wasn't actually expecting him to start writing riffs, but he, a million tracks poured out of him immediately. Yeah. Uh, and that one in particular. So uh, I can't take credit for the riffs of Morningstar. That's that's him. Uh-huh. What I brought to it was um, uh, some vocals, uh, melodies, uh, not all of them. And I got some guy uh, on Fiverr, you know, the website Fiverr. Mm-hmm. Some I found a guy there who played cello and I paid him to uh, to do whatever he thought on cello on top and mashed all of this together. And then we got together um, with Andy and Nathan and they all brought uh, their touch to it. It was a long work, like it, I don't want to make it sound like it was easy it was not no no okay and i mean like you have three tracks and these are good 10 minute tracks don't get me wrong it's fantastic like but even andy you know as you said you came in like i mean what did you bring then yourself to nimwe like i mean what what was your influences um besides your own stuff obviously like what you were doing already but i think i i think my musical taste has changed over the last 15 years in a way that I never expected um I started listening to a lot of post black metal stuff like I don't know top of my head like Alcest and a lot of like a lot of yeah just a lot of music that I didn't really know where it belonged Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it I, I was thinking you know wouldn't it be great if you could do this with somebody but there was never the the opportunity um I don't know. I I feel my strengths in writing aren't aren't like with lyrics or I think my strengths with with writing are more the performance based stuff like yeah. how to phrase lyrics, where to place, especially with the screams and the growls, mm-hmm. where to place those so that they have the best impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think something I I didn't realize because like. Uh, I don't know if Anais has said it yet, but none of us had had sang clean, um, other than in private. Really, I know oh. I never knew if I was going to be able to do it. And whenever I started doing it, I, I realized that I was getting a lot of inspirations from my early life, because my mom was. Um, I remember Anya records spinning whenever I was like three, four years old, and Clannad, and I think. A lot of harmonies and melodies that I was bringing to the table were definitely inspired by uh, the ones over in Donegal. Mm. That's incredible to hear. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. This is now the bass player and singer of Overat, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's to your eternal credit, Andy, that you can connect back to childhood with music like that. That's running through the household. That's fantastic to hear. Makes a lot of sense, Pat, now when you can hear. It, it does, like, I mean, that, that Celtic influence, obviously, yeah. was always going to be there. And, and it, it, you know, you mentioning those, Enya and Canada there, uh, Andy, like, you know, there's whisperings of it all the way through this this EP, like, uh, I've, I've definitely noticed that. Mm. It's nice to get that feedback with you, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to play Morning Star, and we'll maybe talk about the video afterwards okay
I remember I was just waiting for that part, Pat, in yeah. the siege. It was just like, holy <laughs> fuck. It was just this huge wave. <laughs> and I think, Inez, you were worried that you were singing out a tune. Did you say that later on in the text message or something like that? <laughs> Uh, it's the, the constant um, thing we listen to. Uh, uh, as Andy said, we never sang um, in clear, clear vocals in yeah, the yeah. band before. And on stage, you always get that problem of being able to hear yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're not sure, where... really, is it? No, no, I, I, the, it's better now. I can, we can hear ourselves better, I think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you're playing another instrument and yeah. we are learning. So we're doing our best and, but we're very, very severe critical of ourselves because we don't want it to ever be a little bit, you know, <laughs> we want to be, we want to be hanged, you know, we, we want yeah. to make. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're dealing with Andy here who said he's the ultimate pessimist here. I was I mean, <laughs> Jesus, he was, he wasn't half under pressure when he was going through those vocals. That's something that I'd be worried about in relation to ye playing smaller gigs now, you know, just fucking trying to deal with other issues than, you know, yeah. what, what to yeah, expect. That, like, that's that's a good point, actually, because um, I've uh, started using the in-ear monitor system, which I find is, it makes me a better singer all round. I mean, with with not just with clean vocals, but I've got so much more control with my screams and, and growls. I can go for a lot longer than I used to be able to. My breath controls so much better. Um, I guess, you know, there isn't much of a monitor system in the like of Fred's and maybe some other smaller venues, but if they <laughs> if they have the ability for me to plug in my my in-ear monitor system i'll be fine if not we'll cross that bridge you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well especially okay. for a band like doe i suppose because you do vary it so much between your vocals and ace then you go clean vocals and they to the deck rolls just whispers there you know as everything so yeah. i suppose yeah you've a lot to contend with on top of playing your instruments i mean <laughs> Yeah, microphone dynamics. Yeah, the... yeah, it's 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 crazy stuff. So that was the morning star. Incredible, emotional piece of music. Trying to figure out how to get a video to match up with that. And Ace, now I know your your skills as a graphic designer and other skills that probably had to come into play with this. How did you, I suppose, set up for it? First of all, did the music dictate what? possibly the video could be um the the concept um was always uh, given by brain so uh, i didn't have complete freedom okay uh, the the nimue story was it had to be that um and it's really not easy to make a music video for tracks that are 10 minutes long mm. um true i had done some music video before but that's definitely not my job um so it was a big challenge and it took a lot uh, of time. Um, I just called my friend Fiona, who's a professional cameraman, and we we shot the band first, the, the three tracks, uh, to have that. And then there was a second day of shoot for the story side of thing, um, mm. the green screen. And, uh, so you filmed the three tracks? Yeah. In a studio, is it? Where did she set up? Uh, we went into it's a it's a venue that I think rarely gets used as a venue in Belfast. That's in okay. the same building than our uh, rehearsal room, right. uh, and I've rented it before. It's cheap and there's just black walls, so it's easy to just put some fog, put some light, and all of a sudden we are nowhere. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I just took that, and in one day we shot the tray tracks. Uh, we were knackered at the end, like yeah. properly knackered. Yeah. Uh, and the second day of shoot with uh, with an actress that was Nimue, and then a lot of um, editing um, to make this uh, this actress be Nimue in the mountains or in here and yeah. that, and a lot of stock footage too, of course. Of course, yeah. Um, so it yeah, six point four k views so far. That's yeah, just for the Morning Star. That's incredible, like for really Irish happy. bands to come out of out of the blue into Pat. 
it's just it's just another angle again isn't it? we just spoke about social media there and have to sell stuff and putting your music out there but again youtube still relevant like videos are still relevant aren't they yeah you know, to, to push music i think still there more than ever um, mm. and uh, having a uh, black metal promotion sharing our uh, ep yeah. was yeah. big as it was big for uh, imperial demonic uh, mm. i'm sure shared by the same channel and uh, loads of fans yeah those those things make a difference whenever you get the whenever you get the backing of of something like bmp or 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 any of those channels really that have a big following, you get so much more out of it. Um, you know, you start getting gig offers and or you you get, you know, a lot more you get people from all over the world tuning yeah. in. That's a big difference. And, yeah. and that's a big thing I think about Doan as a whole. Uh, again, going back to social media, it's not <laughs> just an Irish band anymore. It's not just a Northern Northern Ireland band, the Belfast band. It's it's almost worldwide now because of these black metal promotions, these websites and and these, you know, these type of people who send it everywhere. You know, it's yeah. it's all part of it. It's a bigger thing. It is. Yeah, but, we don't mm. want to leave that. It's, yeah, but it's it's, it's the quality as well. And as you did an amazing job on both mm. videos so far. Did you edit in ah? a certain famous cello player? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> how did you go about contacting joe quail oh my um uh i was talking about joe quail to chris who recorded us because he recorded her connections uh, again unreal yeah oh yes um and he would not stop telling me how amazing she was and how nice she was and to not be scared to contact her so i went and i contacted her and she is so nice so wonderful and she she was uh, very excited to to add some cello onto a track so we did that and immediately after she contacted me again to do some artwork for her eps uh, and still talking to her back and forth uh, do you want a t-shirt yes i want this i want that <laughs> she's absolutely amazing and when we heard what she recorded for a pile of stone upon her grave she said, you know, take whatever you want, any bit you want to leave out. We took everything. Yeah. It's all in there. Did she have free reign on that, Anais? Did she? Did you yeah. tell her, we want something, and that was it? I told her, go full Joe Quail. <laughs> <laughs> like you mentioned, she's the most humble of people if you ever meet her. Like, And I spoke to her last year on the Smashing Skulls, and myself and Richie met her last year at Dunkfest, you know, yeah. um, we're staying in the same hotel, kept bumping into each other. Yeah. Just one of the nicest people yeah. and a talent. Wonderful and a soul. A wonderful oh my God, soul, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Andy, were you like pinching yourself here like when Joe Quayle gets involved with your music? <laughs> um, I knew uh, Anna Ace wanted her um, from the start and we were all kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. It'll probably be <laughs> like really expensive and, you know. The pessimist. It's not going to happen. It's <laughs> back. And, Whenever, whenever I heard that she'd agreed to do it, um, I was more concerned about the quality of demo we were supplying because it was okay, really of course shit. you would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really rough. <laughs> and then I don't know, like we actually, we were in the studio. Uh, me and the guys were in the studio, and Anise was still. You were still at home because you were coming the next day or something, and we oh. heard it in the studio and it completely floored us. It was like. It, you know, Joe Quayle's not a cellist. She's an absolute, I, I, I don't know, She's what she does with the cello is magic. It's beyond music. Mm -hmm. And what she delivered was beyond music. And it really, um, it really lifted that song. Yeah. Which is why it really annoys me sometimes when we play a gig and the, you know, the engineer doesn't have our backing tracks up loud enough because you don't get to hear Joe's majesty over yeah. what you're doing. Because it is a, it's, it wasn't billed as a huge part. And then it just became a huge part of the song because she doesn't stop. She doesn't stop for 10 minutes in that song. She's always doing something. And it's just little, little things like scratches of her nail on a string or... 
you know the the strange percussion that she offers and mm. so much on it that that it, and we did we used we used all of it because it's it completely made the song better and the fact that she was able to do that with a really really shit demo <laughs> was was unreal that, that proves it all for me though i didn't even realize that obviously her part in it but I didn't think she was there from start to finish in the track no I didn't either yeah you know I, I thought it was like that little mini guest appearance for that that maybe two minute segment but obviously it's it's there in the background throughout yeah interesting one oh, yeah brilliant yeah you can't really tell what's what but because it doesn't sound like a cello it sounds like whale singing or exactly and that's what something. she can do with it it's incredible like I mean you see why bands like Enslaved and Roadburn Festival are on tour like what she brings, it's just a new dynamic, yeah. isn't it? It's something special, yeah. Mm. There's praise she's getting, huh? <laughs> I, <laughs> I really she deserves it. <laughs> I'm sure she's laughing now at, at you interviewing the lads, Pat. That's a good probably, one. Yeah, we're probably going to get a kick out of this. Before we go any further, before we step too far, I just want to know the concept and the story behind Nimwave. Again, I was doing my homework on it, like, and is this all to do with the Lady of the Lake, that Celtic myth, that storyline? Is that what it's based upon or is it something else entirely? So it's Brin's concept, and okay. um, he would be better uh, to, to answer that question. I yeah. always thought that Nimue was indeed the Lady of the Lake, mm. uh, but apparently Nimue is also a goddess of nature. Okay, which makes in, sense uh, with the videos, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's de derived from that uh, okay. uh, exactly, but... Um, um, yeah, I just went with it. All right, interesting one. It was all in the back of my mind to ask that question. Yeah, I wasn't sure. And the artwork in is were you just tying that into Brian's ideas or let's let's look at it? Mm -hmm. Please, okay. we've got it here. Yeah, I was so glad as well, lads, that uh, you put in the lyrics. It's, yeah, um, it's a fantastic. It brings you back get. to the old days, Richie, doesn't it? it but does, you can take out Pat. the lyrics. Play it and sit down and actually read them. It's mad. Yeah. yeah. It's just, for those that are listening, I'm actually showing the vinyl. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. And Ace, talk to us about even planning this whole concept. Um, that wasn't a massive, um, like the, the concept was the concept and the music yeah. was what it became. So the, the artwork came after. And I just wanted to have um, big empty spaces you know the the big those big spaces that you get in the mountains and in the sky and in the clouds uh, that sort of silence and, and not silence in the same time the rumble uh, and i wanted Nime to feel really immense like a real giant in the middle of, of all this and part of it um so it wasn't like um a big intricate detailed drawing as I can sometimes do or a painting I, I went for something a bit different like more just photo manipulation mm. um, because that's what felt right and the symbols yeah sometimes it's sometimes it's that sometimes it's not something that takes uh, days and days to do but it's I rarely do that, but um, this time it felt right. And you, you designed the symbols then as well? Yeah, um, we all have a symbol um, uh, attached to us, which uh, we've used in the music videos and um, on stage too. We've got, um, we got metal um, mm. symbols that were wielded by Laura at uh, X Metal Works. Um, that are always with us on stage and just part of our just part of our concept and our and our demo. They are know? art actually now, aren't they? Those those symbols like they, they they mean something like and they are a beautiful piece. They're a beautiful work of art. Like I've seen it before that you had on display there now at Siege. They look incredible. The logo and is again, I know you're involved in everything like, but very metal, if you know what I mean. This I love how bands try and create the, the logo as, as differently as they can but this is a beautiful design did that come easy to you 
uh, logos are uh, quite difficult. Uh, yeah. They take a long time. Like I go, I use vectors to do them. I don't just hand draw them. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, the theme of nature was already there. Mm. Um, and I, I really like something symmetrical. Yeah, um, I just but say symmetry is always important, isn't it? Yeah, to get it looking right. Some bands don't do that. Like I love sour logo, or you think you pronounce it sir, sir? Not sure. No. Not always gospel, but um, I, I love a bit of symmetry. And yeah, I think I was showing the guys the, the designs and back and forth. They were like, uh, yeah, that, that's crap. That's uh, <laughs> that, that was Andy, obviously, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be realistic and you got to be honest. It's just all part of it. If you're in a band, you got to be able to take criticism. You're spot yeah. on, Andy. Yeah, spot on. Absolutely. Did you have any say, Andy, with regards to the, uh, the artwork and stuff? Did you have an input? No, my input was let the artist do the art. Yeah. Um, and that's if if Anise wants to do the art from now until, you know, the yeah. last days <laughs> of the band, I'm not going to argue because yeah. she's perfectly placed. She doesn't need she doesn't need to be told how, how to create good artwork. And you know, <laughs> we all know that she's one of the best in the country, if not, if not, you know, Europe. <laughs> yeah, Thank you know, you. We're, we're, we're incredibly lucky that that she's one of us, and uh, yeah, just keep keep it coming, like. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure in this, no pressure whatsoever. Like, wow, that's very nice to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, oh, absolutely. Very lovely. Very lovely. So myself and Pat, we were just wondering, where is the next song going to come from you? Have you got like four or five in the back burner? Can you maybe just, if you don't want to reveal too much, fair enough, but like, just give us a bit of hope here. Like, is there <laughs> going to be a release in 2024? <laughs> 2024, I mean, never say never, but I would say it's unlikely for 2024. Um, okay. We're, we've we're hopefully going to uh, be concentrating on a few gigs around the, the summertime. Maybe, you know, all of these things are, you know, if you can do or whatever, but um, we are writing and we have stuff written. We have one song, which is almost entirely finished, probably just a few dot in the I's crossing the T's. We've got another one, which is very much on its way. And I know that there are at least three um, kind of, starts or or what of songs so there, there's music there and okay. you know as as uh, Nimue started off very rough and became something in in my opinion very majestic mm. this is probably going to do the same so yeah. it'll take, it'll take us a while to write it um yeah. to get it perfect and yeah yeah hopefully we can deliver something that's on par with the last record yeah, you see, we, we still seem to forget that Nimue is still so fresh. It's only just been released, really. Like, yeah. But it's been held in such high regard by so many people already that has been talked about so much. Yeah, It feels like it's around longer. Would you reckon, Richie, the same? Like, Absolutely, yeah. Everyone's and talking it, about it. It's just like. started conversations already about mm. the next few songs. And it's, it's to your credit, lads, you know, really is. And I think, you know, take your time. Yeah. If we get the product... That is as good as what you've given us already. Take your time. People will wait, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Ho hopefully not too long, though. Um, mm. I, I, I would say 24 is unlikely, but 25 yeah. would be um, where I would be looking at to put out something something uh, next. Yeah. Do do bands get sort of itchy when, they, when they've just released something and the hype is there and they feel, fuck it, we better get something else out, keep this momentum going. That's... And I just with that gap, as you mentioned, twenty twenty four, is it is it too long? This is the Wait. thing. It's it's a whole new world now. People have become yeah. impatient. Like whenever we were talking about Nimue, I was my my idea was to do three standalone singles, digital only, with the videos. I mean, we've kind of done that anyway, but we've mm. also released the record, which was a better decision. But um, I can. I can see the logic in putting out maybe a single, mm. maybe this time next year. Yeah, but we can only do that if you know going 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 over to Wales 
to see Chris and to record only one song is going to be really expensive. Okay. Yeah. And you know, okay. you just you gotta be realistic. And the problem that we have now after using Chris is that if we go anywhere else <laughs> and it doesn't sound as good, yeah, it's pointless anyway. So I think it's uh, you know never say never about anything. But um, I reckon next time we are doing something, we'll do an album worth mm-hmm. of material and uh, you know see where that takes us. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose there's always a live environment, isn't there, to sort of keep the fire burning. You know, you're, have you been approached by sort of festivals or anybody yet for next year? Has that happened? Can you give anything away? Um, from my contacts with uh, Core, um, I got us an amazing festival in uh, in France, in Paris, in uh, February, uh, Carlinos Festival. Um, it's like, I can't wait, it's going to be amazing. Um other than that, uh, we have a gig in Dublin that has not been announced. But uh, to be honest, we are struggling to to find festivals and to find gigs because all you can do when you don't have the, the contact, when the person is not already your mate, you send an email, you send a message, and it just doesn't get looked at. It gets lost. It gets lost. There must be thousands. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's it. And... Uh, that's that may where change I after this podcast goes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just be prepared. I'm not fucking we're saying on. that we're the biggest rhino that, but it may change. That's all we'll take. We'll take the credits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked at that. Actually, I'm very surprised. As, to yeah, hear as it. am I. Yeah, it's it's, but it's like it's like you already said. The record's only out a couple yeah. of weeks, yes. so you know, let it bed in and and yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I'm sure we'll get we'll get more than we need out of it. I'm sure, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, like are, are you up for it? Sorry, Ines, sorry for cutting across. You know, family life, everything takes hold. Like, but are you yeah. up for spending a summer fucking touring festivals? That's the other aspect to take, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, well, you got to be realistic as well. And it's mm. like, what well, we're all, you know, we all have um our home lives and stuff, but this is a big part of our life as well. So yeah. We'll do, you know, gone are the days that we can do, oh, yeah, we'll just go to, to Europe and do six weeks or, you know, whatever it is. We've got to be realistic. And yes, yeah. uh, I'm sure we can, you know, we can do weekenders and we can maybe yeah. find a week if it's worth doing or, you know, certainly any festival that's that's worth playing will definitely be considered. Right. So, yeah, we will. We would like to be busy um but we'll be realistic and if we can get you know four or five gigs worth playing Mm. over you know between now and and the summer that's that's where it's at it needs to be worth it because it's a it's it's hard what Mm. we do it's it's really difficult getting this all together getting it all the sound all right and trying to put on a performance Mm. because it's not just like turning up plugging in no, and screaming down the microphone, you know, the, there's, there's a bit more to it, and it's it really has to be, you know, a worthwhile gig. Yeah. yeah, you only have to look back to the siege, um, for that because that's why I think so many people were in there because they realized that with G on the main stage, it's going to be an experience to be remembered. And you know, when you're going to be looking back at the, the smaller gigs that you've played in Andy, fucking hell, like. You know, you could write off a fair few of those straight away with your setup. There has to be certain standards to be hit for you to to agree to play somewhere. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think the venue size itself is is a big um, issue. It's more is the venue capable of of what we need to have. Which you know, and, and it's not a lot. It's not like we're turning up with you know live orchestras and well and and choirs yet but yeah. um, you, you know it's we just we have to be comfortable and um so far every gig we've played and in small venues you know voodoo belfast um we've played there a few times and you know perfectly capable of of, of what we do and smaller ones what do you require andy just for people that are it's just it's, it's just what we said earlier it, we need to have good monitoring because if we can't hear each other if we can't hear what's going on then because 
at times the music is very soft and at mm. other times it's very, very loud. Mm. Getting the balance and getting an able sound engineer. Like Andy, the, who works in the voodoo, yeah. um, nailed it immediately for us. Yeah, but, but they do exist and they do exist in small venues as well. So mm. venue size isn't going to put me off one bit. It's more, can we deliver what we want to deliver with what's available in the venue, including, you know, assigned engineers and, and things like that. But we're not being divas, not by a long No, way. far from it. Jesus, you, you yeah. being a diva, considering where you've played and the history yeah, of, of and the of you. Oh, Are you yeah. going to go down that route? It's not in ears monitor that I have. Uh, I have a big fancy system of uh, listening to the backing track and play to the click and hear my voice. Okay. So it's a full, it's a full mess. Yeah. Jeez, my head is fucked already. Right. The thought of trying to manage that alone, you know, <laughs> not yeah. a chance, not a chance. It's crazy. I had to yeah. actually learn geeky, geeky sound stuff. But like, as you said, though, Inez and Andy, like, you know, you have to do justice to your sound, you know, because you want to replicate what oh you my God, achieved yeah. as, as best as possible, because that's what people want to hear. That's what they're going to see for. So there's nothing worse than turning up and having shite sound like, you know, to, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's not where you want to be anymore. There's always going to be a live element. And, mm. you know, I would be disappointed if I went to see a band and it just sounded exactly like the CD or, or the record or whatever. Um, you want to get the live element where maybe the singer hits something a bit different or, mm, yeah. or you know, goes out of tune or whatever. <laughs> and, and oh, just, I don't you know. know. It's a, it won't happen with us, I promise. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So listen, lads, that's it. That's our questions. Pat, are you happy enough with that? Absolutely. That's it. I can't say enough about this. I, I, mm. I suppose you both know, like, I mean, myself and Richie have been plugging these for, I don't know how long, months, as soon as the first track I heard on social media as soon as the Morning Star came out, I was all over it. Like through the Smashing Skull sessions, I'd have friends yeah. all over the place, all over the world. Like, and they're all coming back to me saying, Pat, what a fucking call. Great yeah. call. What a band. You know, Germany, as far as Australia, Argentina, it's it's fantastic to see. Like, you know, it really is. And it's it's justified. It's an amazing appeal. Like, it, is. it really is. It really is. And you're flying the flag for us, which is the there big you benefit, you know, anything that both myself and Pat can help you with going forward. We gladly, we yeah. gladly put our services there for you. And Absolutely. We're, we're really proud of you. And the fact that what you've done so far in such a short time, it's to your credit and getting Joe Quayle involved. And it's all about connections. That's that's a big thing. And you've got such a great history between all of you as a band. And like, just push forward now with it, lads. And, you know, and do us proud. Um, if I may, I just want to give a big shout out to our label. Uh, this hand melts. Uh, yeah. Moro has done so much work. So much work. He's a, it's a new label. Um mm. And he found us and he has done so much investment in time and effort for us that, uh, you know, he, he deserves. He Absolutely. deserves. Kudos. Nice yeah. guy. Actually, yeah. Very nice guy. And I'm sure he can see the talent. I'm sure there it goes. <laughs> there, it's there to be seen, lads. There to be seen. So, Anais and Andy, Pat from the Smash and Spell Sessions, thanks for joining us tonight. And crucially, support your medicine. Mm-hmm.